here's how you start day one and here's where you go from here. So the big question is, what are the top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? If you ever thought about this, you're not alone. No one has been able to get the answers until now. We spent the last few years helping agents sell billions in real estate, rubbing shoulders with top producers, which got us thinking, how can we expose more people to these insights to help raise the standard in the whole real estate industry? We then realized that we could help bridge the gap by getting secrets from the best of the best so that you can succeed. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey everyone and welcome to this episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today we've got Jamie White. Now Jamie this year alone is going to close 204 units and do 71 million dollars in volume. So we're looking forward to getting into the show with him today. We're going to be discussing belief in a higher power, coaching, accountability and trusting your team. Jamie, thank you for agreeing to come on the show with us today. We can't wait to dive in. Yeah, hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. So every every single time we get somebody on here and there's a two a two in front of the number of units that you're doing per year. Hey, you got my Three attention. Digits. <laughs> I'm like, WTF, what the fuck? How are you even doing that? Like my mind is running because I'm working with a handful of people at any given time. And if I have to think that you're working with two, three, four handfuls of people to make those numbers, I'm like, how, first of all, when do you sleep? When do you eat? Do you spend time with your family? Like, what the hell, Jamie? Yeah. No, I, I, I think the honest truth of it is I actually don't work a lot of hours because I am very organized. I'm very process driven and I, I employ people to help me. So I honestly at times work between 40 to 45 hours most weeks. Okay. Wow. I, I, I put in probably that many hours in the last three days running like crazy at this point. But so before yeah. you kind of tell us that, take us back to where it all started, day one. How did you get started and how did you go from there to where you are now? Okay, so I started in January of 2012. And at that time, I was working in property management. And for property management, I needed to get my real estate license. I went to the local community college to study for the license. And the broker that was teaching the course approached me and said, you'd be pretty good at selling real estate and you could make more money. So I quit my job in property management and I came to the brokerage. I just came from London, England two years ago in 2009. And so I didn't really understand what real estate was. I didn't understand that it was a commission job. So I joined the brokerage without really thinking through the fact that I wasn't going to get a paycheck unless I sold anything. In my first year in 2012, I sold five units and I ran up my credit card because it was 2012 and people weren't really buying real estate back in 2012 like they are today um i didn't know anybody in town i had no coaching i didn't know what i was doing and i really began to struggle then six months later in like the middle of 2013 at the point where i was just about to quit where 
um, you know, my wife at the time, we just had our first baby. We'd maxed out our credit cards. We were in a, a real mess. Um, I was just at the point where I was like, I'm going to quit this. When she persuaded me to, the, you know, just give it one more try, just stick at it for one more month. And just at that point, it just broke, you know, like all of a sudden, the people that I'd met, the work I'd done, the networking meetings that I'd gone to, the phone just started to ring. And then I remember I went on a run where for the, like the next 13 weeks, I sold a house each week. And that was kind of the beginning in the middle of 2013, where I, I really started to get my business going. Now, one of the lucky things for me was that during that some kind of 18 months when I was trying to get going is that I didn't really have a backup plan and I didn't really have another option because my background coming from London, I'd worked in investment banking and I'd, I'd had just had this you know, wealth of knowledge about numbers and finance that when I came to Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a relatively small town, there were no real jobs here for me. And so I didn't, even though I was thinking about, oh, I need to stop in real estate, I didn't really have an option to because I didn't know where to go. So I just had to carry on and persevere. And, you know, eventually I turned things around. That's an insane Four was it five in your first year and then thirteen in thirteen weeks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think with real estate, sometimes once you figure it out, then you're good. You know, it's just figuring out what you're supposed to be doing is, is one of the hardest things sometimes. It's the penny dropping thing, isn't it? It's the like this, there's a certain key. Like I think a lot of people who talk about kind of like mindset and stuff, there's like everyone has the doors in their head to unlock unlimited wealth. It's whether you have the key to the door. And yeah. that's why when you unlock it and everything opens, you're like, I knew all this stuff. or All the pieces somehow fit. And you're like, oh, it makes total sense. But until that moment, you can, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Now, there's obviously a huge shift there. And with regards to getting these deals in, so how were you getting them? Even you like your 13 in 13 weeks or your first five, like how did that, was that sphere? Because obviously if you just moved there, there isn't so, a ton of people you knew. It's a smaller place. It's like things are going against you, right? So I really worked on like, I just moved here and I didn't know anybody. So I went to every single networking event, every Rotary Club. I really like doubled down on going to meet with people and being out there um, and, and just, you know, pounding the pavement and shaking hands at networking events and just getting my face in front of people. And, and I think some of the change was initially I was going to the meetings, but not asking people for the business. I think in the middle of 13, I got to the point where I was so broke that I suddenly started to say to people, can you help me? I really need help. Do you know anyone who wants to buy or sell a house? Because I need a client. <laughs> and that made a difference, you know? It wasn't enough just to be there and people to know that you were a real estate agent. You know, you had to really ask people and like desperation in your eyes, you know, brought business to me. Right. So then you've got, you've got, so you built up some kind of rapport with these people, obviously asked for business, things kind of went your way. Now yeah. there is a big difference between 13 units in 13 weeks and 204 units this year. Now, I'm sure you haven't just got a whole team going out begging people for business <laughs> at every networking no. event. So what was the big shift that's kind of happened that's got you there? You know, is it certain traffic sources, lead sources? Is it certain things that you've 
uh, like done that's positioned you in a way that you can actually now get this type of business is this like a normal amount of business for you or is this your highest year ever like is there some context this, around that this is the highest year ever we just looked at some numbers this morning we went from like 104 deals in 2017 then we got to 150 in 18 150 in 19 150 in 20 uh, and then we just jumped up to two, two. We just broke 204 this year, which is which is which is the highest we've ever done. And some of that is, you know, it's like you say, it's not. There's not just one key. Like you unlock the door to go from five to 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 thirty that second year, and yeah. then you you walk up to the next door and you say, okay, how do I go from thirty to fifty? And then you walk up to the next door and you say, how do I go from fifty to a hundred? And and so I think you've always got to be trying to figure out, you know, what's the next key to unlock. You know, it, it, I was listening to your podcast and it sounds like you guys have unlocked Facebook. And so now you're walking up with the door and you're trying to unlock YouTube, you know, and figure out, OK, how do we now monetize this next idea? How do we unlock this big door, you know, and walk through it and be successful agents in that way? Right. A hundred percent. I think our position... The the reason I always think we're slightly different is one, there's two of us who are both kind of of the same, um, have got the same ability with regards like digital. And we've done Facebook now for like, yeah, north of three years, solid just for real estate. So we, it's really like nothing much has changed in that time with regards like the process that like we've just got a system that works and we can rely on it. So now it's like, if we want to evolve into another avenue, like you said, like for us personally, we're looking at maybe a bit of YouTube organic. It's more as a proof of concept thing it's not that we need it now that sound kind of comes from a super arrogant standpoint but like for us like doing 204 deals a year isn't necessarily our goal right so we don't need any more than facebook because we know our facebook will get us to multi six figures with regards just production which is where we want to be we've got certain production goals that we want to hit and we've got certain team goals we want to hit so ours are a little bit flip-flopped from say others that might want to do say a thousand deals and therefore having multiple streams would make more sense for us with people coming and joining our team that they might be interested in for example youtube we want to go we've done this it produces this number of deals like cut dry at the end and we'll plug them into a system that we've proved out so ours is a little bit different i guess with that regards but we we've also got like i said there's two of us so when pete is out producing we know the facebook system works it it comes to me and i'll figure out the system for the youtube and then basically I'll be like, right, Peter, this is what we're executing against. He'll go and execute against these ideas of mine. And then he'll go, that was shit. <laughs> yeah, and then he'll say that 10 more times. And then he'll go, no, that one worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's how, that's how ours work. But it's pretty insane. Like obviously most people listening, I mean, just out of curiosity, 204, you said you got a team. I know this is kind of your final topic, but just for context, how big is your team that will do the 204? So there are seven of us. There are three people who are working. Um, there are three people who are working selling, and there are three admins and myself. Whoa. Is there like an admin per person, or is the admin per team depending on somebody's bandwidth? So there's marketing admin, transaction coordinator admin, and um, executive assistant admin. Jesus, so you've really got three people. I want to dive into this a little bit because. How did you come up with each person just being dedicated to one category as opposed to, you know, like having an executive assistant that does admin work, transaction coordination, and the marketing? 
because I have had one person do all three um, roles and they burn out and they move towards their favorite of the three roles. So if you have one person do marketing, admin and transaction coordination, if they like marketing, they move towards marketing and your um, transaction coordination can suffer and not be as good as it should. If you don't give people specific roles, they will generally move towards the more enjoyable tasks, which is what we all do, right? Like we, as leaders, try to do the things that we enjoy most and then hire people to do the parts that we don't enjoy. And so if you don't give people a specific role and say, okay, your job is the transaction coordination, you need to close these, you know, 25 deals this month, they will not necessarily focus on that. Mm -hmm. So then at what point did you know you need to split these categories out and hire the right people? Was it with a certain volume or when you were running into bottlenecks? It was. I've always tried to... I, I definitely came to a point where like, Right at the beginning, I took a piece of paper and I drew out 12 different roles. And I said, here are the 12 roles that I think I need to be successful. And then I put names of myself or my assistant under each role. And then what I tried to do from there is say, okay, now we're doing so many more transactions. Now I can take this name that says my executive assistant is also my transaction coordinator and hire a specific transaction coordinator. Normally, I do that at the point when the executive assistant is on the verge of quitting or having a nervous breakdown, I do it a little too late. Do, okay. do, at times in my career, I've done it a little too late. And at times in my career, when it's really worked well, I've done it, you know, there's extra money in the bank. I'm feeling very confident today. Let me bring about the market next year. Let me bring the people I need in before, before the wheels fall off the bus. So then... At what point as a new agent or new or seasoned agent, should they consider bringing in an executive assistant or somebody just to help out? That's not just a transaction coordinator that they pay a couple hundred bucks to to get the deal. I think about every 30 transactions, you should hire hire somebody to help you. So you should go from zero to 30 units a year on your own. Then Mm -hmm. as you begin to near 30 units, you bring your executive assistant in. Once you get close to 60 units, you should start bringing in a transaction coordinator. Once you get close to 90 units, you've got to bring your first salesperson in because nine, showing and writing 90 contracts is too much. And every 30 more units that you're doing, you should think about what's the next role to fill in to take the pressure off the rest of the team. Nice. I like that. See, I, I, I like having something tangible, right? Because then yeah. you can gauge against it. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, having, if you're struggling at 20 then you may want to do it a little bit earlier because that person's going to take some time to learn the business and ramp up and kind of grow with you, right? Yeah, for sure. It depends on where you are in life, right? Like if you have a family and kids, you might have to hire somebody at 20. Yeah, because once you get to 30, the pressure on your personal life is become to the point of unbearable. It's It depends on the person and where they are in, in their lives and to how they, how, how, how they make those decisions. But you guys are engineers, right? And you like things engineered, right? You like process and numbers and engineers. I listen to your podcast and you, 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 
like one of the things I, I listened to your podcast and there are so many good tactics there and I, I really enjoyed listening to them all. But but I what I wanted and, and in the engineering side of my brain, brain is I want the same thing as you want. I want a blueprint. I like, okay, here's how you start day one and here's where you go from here. Uh, and and that is that that's really helpful. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to achieve, right? It's like as much as we can, it's get down to those tangibilities. Like you said, just even a number like, hey, if you're struggling, you're at like 35, you should probably have hired an assistant and you'll really ease yourself off. Just having little numbers like that, it's a bit like we're discussing off air about the divorce lawyers and Brad does a lot of divorce. Uh, there's, there's a few people that we've actually spoken to. It's kind of crazy when you talk to real big producers. We've spoken to a few that, don't know each other at all. Some are in different countries and they do the same strategies, which is crazy to me. Um, yeah, we met someone uh, last week who's in the US and um, we met some, and then we've got Brad, who's discussed it before, who's in Canada. Um, and they both use um, divorce lawyers and retirement communities to get results. Yeah, it, it was kind of crazy. And um, yeah. so now I know your first topic here, which I want to dive into, because this is something that I don't think anyone's ever discussed. So I'm not sure if this is going to be uh, what I think it's going to be or whether it's going to be something else. So I'm just going to um, uh, I'm just going to let you explain topic one, belief in a higher power. Yeah, it, it was a dangerous topic. I listened to your, I listened to like, and I listened to a lot of the podcasts before I gave you the topic, and I, I heard a lot of tactics that I, I already use, and I, and I, and, and many of them are very successful. So, and I tried to think about, you know, some of the things that I think about um, the difference between people who are successful and people who are not. And so, you know, some of the people that I admire, Elon Musk. Richard Branson, um, when I've listened to their books and their autobiographies, they always have this huge belief just in a, in, in a higher power. I look at, um, if you look at Silicon Valley, the TV series, Gavin Belson, he has his guru who he, who he spends time with. If you look, and I got this idea from reading the book, Take the Stairs by Rory Baden. Have you read that book? I haven't, no. Yeah, he kind of, he, he was the first person to, to sort of kind of hint on it. And and it's just a, I think it's just a belief in something other than yourself. And so, you know, like there is, you know, the religious side to it. And I don't want to take you down that road. Um, I but it's a it's it's just a belief that you there's something bigger out there. There's a bigger plan. We're part of something bigger. And that a lot of our success in life is not down, it's not always down to ourselves. And so I wrote down five things that I thought that, that would come to it. But you, when, you, when you don't attribute all of your success to yourself and you attribute to, to the bigger picture, number one, you're willing to take more risk. I see people who believe in a higher power just, just going out there, taking more risk, try, willing, to, willing to scare themselves to, be, to grow because they truly believe that someone else is looking out for them. They're willing to give away control more. They're willing to, to say, okay, there's a bigger plan here. There's a bigger picture. And I, I don't need to control everything. They spend more time in reflection and they spend more time listening. 
definitely you know and be that in prayer be that in meditation be that wherever it is right. definitely spend more time thinking about the bigger picture why is this happening why am i having success you know, success when when they things are going wrong they sit down and they they pray or they meditate and they try to figure things out and they look for an answer in the in the bigger picture right they're more willing to ask for help they're more willing to say okay i need help you know you know I need help from somewhere. Somebody help me. And finally, they are less likely for it to go to their head and to develop a God complex. You know, and to be like... God, like you're you're literally speaking exactly what's going through my mind. Like my wife and I, I kid you not, we had this conversation this morning because I was going to say, I'm not responsible for the work that I'm doing. I'm yeah. just the messenger fulfilling on the message that I've been given. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so, so just, just for everybody who's listening, this is not to toot my own horn guys. This is, this is not my doing, but this week over the weekend, I got 1.6 million under contract. Yeah. I am not, I am not capable of doing that by myself. It's yeah. God's gift or universe, whatever the heck you believe yeah. in. We don't have to be religious about it. Yeah. Andrew always tells me like, Dude, whatever you believe in, that's great. You know, there's whatever. Um, but I'm like, listen, went to church on Sunday. I'm not sacrificing that, I'm not pushing my beliefs on it. But there's no way in hell that I'm able to do this by myself because I'm not some extraordinary human being. I'm no smarter. I'm no faster. I'm no stronger. I'm just putting in the work. And I'm just fulfilling on the message that i'm receiving right and all of a sudden the the floodgates of the universe somehow open where our quote-unquote hard work has been getting rewarded and all of a sudden it's like things are just kind of showing up in our lives yeah as and you can't i can't explain it i'm just grateful for it like this morning i was sitting in the gym and i'm like holy crap what is going on not questioning it I'm just yeah. thankful for yeah. it, but there's no yeah. way I'm doing this by myself. Yes, there's I have no Andrew's way. help, but this is this is yeah. bigger than both yeah. of us. Yeah, and and that like I like to call it the universe. That's a good way to call it. Like I'm, I, I honestly, I go to church. I believe in God, but I call it the universe for 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 my employees. I'm saying like, what's the universe telling us today? You know, um, I've been to offices where they are deeply religious and they pray before every meeting. And those offices, the community in them, the culture in them is unbelievable. That's not my office, but like it is definitely something that, that when people really reach out and go that route, it like can, can bring an unbelievable team. But yeah, a lot of success. If you go to the place of like, oh, suddenly I'm making all of this money and I'm driving this nice car. We've seen friends of ours do it. I'm sure you guys have as well, where like they begin to have success and then it goes to their heads and then you kind of don't want to be around them anymore. <laughs> you know? You got you got to stay humble, okay. right? Like, yeah, you got to stay humble. Here's one thing that I, I think people get wrong. So I'm going to throw, I'm now going to throw my opinion in. People think success changes people. It doesn't, it exposes them. There's yeah. a difference. I, I think they, I, they I'm, I'm so like with that. you on that, Andrew. They never had the means to be like that, but they were always that person. Wow. The money yeah. has just allowed them to become who they truly were. It didn't change them. They were always them. 
Yeah. That's the difference. That's what I people I differ from people. People like they changed. I go, no, they didn't. It just exposed them. Wow. I've never yeah. heard that before, but that is fascinating. I'm gonna keep that. That's a, that's that, that's big, cool. right? Because if you're an undercover asshole and you don't have yeah. two nickels to rub together, all of a sudden you get two nickels and now you become an asshole, you know? Yeah. I, I like I've, I've spoken about this before, I, like Peter as well, you as well. Like, listen, you obviously make millions and millions from all the transactions you do, and it's like I've met people that do nine figures. I've spoken about this before. Like they they cl- like a hundred million from different companies, and I knew them. I know it sounds crazy, but I knew them when they were doing like eighteen million, which is still a lot. Don't get me wrong, but they are now. Yeah. I know, like five years ago and today, they're no different. They are like he does a hundred or ten times what he was doing back then, and is no different to who he is right now. And me and Peter, we always talk about coaching and mentorship, and we've got a mutual coach slash mentor. And he talks about he the there was a moment he looked in his bank account and there was a hundred grand there, six figures, a hundred thousand in his personal bank account, not in his company bank account, a hundred thousand. Yeah. And he was like, that is and still remains to be the richest I've ever felt. And he does a hundred million a year now. And the richest he ever felt was when he had a hundred grand. Wow. And he's like, I, he's like, it, I don't need, like all this money is just a byproduct of the value that I've given people. Like he's made tons of people millionaires. He's, you know, amazing at what he does, but it's, it doesn't change the people who are always quintessentially good. It, yeah. it just exposes the people who were pretending. It, this is my opinion. People, yeah. I'm sure, try and flame me for it. But listen, um, this is just how I kind of perceive it. And I think, you know, it's interesting what you both say about the universe of God. I mean, with regards to Peter, God happens to live in the address that I'm stood in that generates leads that does business. So like it's weird because <laughs> like this business just comes to me and I'm like, yeah, it fucking does right from this house <laughs> that I live in. <laughs> this house sends you the business. <laughs> He's like the universe. We're, 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 we're going to turn the non-believers into believers. But like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. is this. I'm sure this is a touchy subject for everybody, right? Because no matter what you believe in, you got to believe in something bigger, something higher power. And if we're naive to believe there is a higher power, let us be naive. That's what we want to believe in. That's what we choose to believe in, right? It is one of those things that, as smart as I would like to think I am, maybe it's because I'm humble, or I like to think that I'm humble. I don't let the success or failure define who I am at my core and what I stand for, my values wise and everything. And and I think Jamie, this is, you know, where, where, where you're leading into as well. It's like, no matter what you believe in, you have something that keeps you humble, which is kind of believing in the higher power, right? Yeah. You're definitely like a humble and grateful guy, right? Like you, you, you know, Peter's come into your life as a gift and, 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 helped you helped you change your life but that there were reasons for that that were that were gifted to you by god absolutely like i remember not having a roof over our heads right for anybody who's in the states like being on stamp on food stamps and welfare vulnerable moment right there right and now to be in this position where we're even able to be having this conversation like Count my blessings and gratitude every single morning, every single day for my family, for being healthy. You take everything away like it doesn't change or, or you know, who I am at my core. Yeah, it's kind of the American. You kind of sum up 
to me, you always have summed up the American dream in a lot of ways because you came from nothing. You had nothing. And you've built yourself a successful life in America just through hard work. That is, in my opinion, the American dream. It's like you can do whatever the fuck you want if you just go out and work and make it happen. And, and, and we're both English, right? And we, yeah. we you kind of hear about the American dream, but then you come over here and you're like, wow, like I live an unbelievable life here. Like I live in a beautiful 4,000 square foot house. I drive a really nice car. I have my own business. Like I commute three minutes to work every day. I have three wonderful kids. I like spend all my time enjoying life. And then like, it's, it's something that's unbelievable, you know? And, and like we tie it back and we say, I am super grateful for the for this opportunity to come here and and I'm super humbled by by everything that's happened to me yeah it, it, I mean it is and I think this is where that kind of complain train and like I'm not I don't buy into any of this shit purely because like I've known Peter again for years and I'm not saying I'm an out I'm not um, necessarily the greatest um, example of the American dream because you know I, I've done my own stuff obviously I live most of my time in England but Peter really is and I've, I've told him this for years this isn't kind of to blow smoke up anyone's ass but it's like when you come from food stamps and you lived on like on welfare and shit and now you own multiple successful companies off nothing but hard work like if that doesn't say fucking American dream and it doesn't kind of sum up yeah. what people believe is possible still in America in 2021. Like it fucking is. And I think this is what pisses us off so much. It's like all these people like life's hard. And it's like, yeah, life is fucking hard. But like you live in America, baby, and you can fucking make whatever you want come true with hard work. Yeah. Like, so so the reason why well, Andrew is also hitting on this American dream for everybody who's listening, like I'm an immigrant, right? This is not my first country, not my native language in Poland. This is, I want to say what, what I've done, it's, it's possible, but not, not to this extent in such a short period of time like it is here, right? There, there's a lot more hardship. There's, it's, it's, just, it's just different. So when I came here, like I came here to be the true American dream, you know, pursued a college degree, first one from my family to do it here. So it's it, it puts things a little bit in a different perspective um, from, you know, ironically, I don't use my college degree much, but <laughs> thank you, real estate. <laughs> I don't think anybody uses their college degree. Not when you want to make a lot of money. Not, not to make money, money, not to be an entrepreneur. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Now, before you go, we're giving access to a private training we did where we revealed the top three niches to get listings today completely for free. So if you want access, you can go and download that training at EliteAgentSecrets.com. We're regularly releasing new trainings, guides, and cheat sheets. So make sure to head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com and sign up so you don't miss out.